What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Hello, What the Actual Fork fam. I'm so happy to be here again. My name is Chelsea Schaefer. I'm the What the Actual Fork podcast manager, and I'm here to introduce another off-season repost. So today we're reposting our episode with Brianna Campos, and it's the first one we recorded because you might know we recorded two. Um, So this was one of the first episodes even ever on the pod. And this is a special episode for me personally, because I just remember it connecting so many dots regarding weight stigma, thin privilege, body image struggles, you name it. This episode covers so much. And Brianna just is an incredible speaker. And the way she describes things and, you know, tells her stories just helps you better understand Um, She's so authentic and it's an amazing episode to listen to. If you've already, if you heard it the first time, like it only gets better the more you listen to it. So please stay tuned for um, this powerful episode with Brianna Campos. And if you haven't already, please join the What the Actual Fork fam on Instagram at What the Actual Fork Pod. Subscribe, rate, and review the pod on Apple Podcasts and also subscribe and rate the pod on Spotify. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. We are so, so, so excited for our guest today. We have Miss Brianna Campos, or she goes by Brie, or most of you might know her as Body Image with Brie. She is the owner of a Life Points Counseling. She's a licensed professional counselor in the state of New Jersey, which Jenna is really <laughs> excited about. <laughs> um, she lo- has a really special, or she has a specialty in recovery, um, eating disorder recovery, um, but she also has a special place in her heart for body image, and we're going to get into that. Um, She is a health at every size provider, or haze, as we like to call it. She believes that all foods fit, um, and helps people find freedom with food and to love their current body. So without further ado, we have Miss Bree here. Thank you so much for being here today with us, Bree. Gosh, thank I you mean, for having me. Thank God she's here because she saved the day for us because Sam and I both have computers that won't turn on now. So, <laughs> yep, so without Bree, we literally wouldn't have a recording. So thank God for Bree today. <laughs> um, but so before we really just jump in, because that we, Jenna and I were both so, so excited for this episode, I'm going to let Jenna take over a quick rapid fire just to get to know you outside of nutrition, body image, all that fun stuff. So she's going to take it away. So as you can imagine, I haven't written them down today because that's the flow of how today is going. However, I have them on the top of my head. Perfect. So, here we go. Wine or beer? Wine. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Tequila or vodka? Vodka. Woohoo! <laughs> Sa- our 
rather sand or snow? Sand. Netflix and chill or night out on the town? Netflix and chill. Here's the bad. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Cats. Okay, this is a big one. Peanut butter that is crunchy or smooth? Smooth. <sighs> I really I'm thought smooth. we had, I really thought we had something going you. here, Brie. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> um, okay, last one. If you could have one thing in limitless quantities that cannot be money, what would it be? Cats. Cats. I said dogs on mine. That's amazing. <laughs> I literally, like, all I want to do is just get all these cats to come snuggle with me. That's, like, what I want right now. My Did dog, I give my dog an appearance today? No, probably not. He's sleeping. Oh. Yeah. So now, <laughs> so to, for everybody listening, these two dropped like a really big, like, bomb on me right before we started recording and said, oh, wait, we'll talk about this when we start. And so now I just need to know. So Bree's in New Jersey and you spoke to dietitians that Sammy and I used to work with recently. Can you tell me more about this? So it, it was actually, I, I know I said February, but I'm pretty sure it was like February or March of last year. Okay. So, so my, my day job, I, I, I know I have my own little side hustle, but my day job, I work with uh, kids between the ages of four and 21. I work for an agency. We do in-home counseling. I was working with a kid. She was a kid. She was 20. And she was demonstrating some signs of disordered eating. And I was like, I, I can't help you with, you know, what to eat. So I was like, why don't we go see a dietitian? And I know the dietitians at um, a certain grocery right. store, right? They are free. And so I went with her and I, we would sit together and um, I counted it as part of my session. And the dietitian was helping her figure out like what foods. And we were just taking this like approach together and it was really cool. And the dietitian and I became friends. And then I hosted a free body image workshop and uh, the dietitian was like, Hey, I sent this to my boss and they loved it. And they want to know if you want to come speak to us about eating. Like, this is so amazing. I so wish I was there. I wish somebody would have been like, Hey Jenna, you would love to come back and see this awesome presentation. Exactly. <laughs> it was awesome. It was really cool. It was like the first time as a professional getting to speak like to other professionals. And so I had tons of like gremlins. I was like, oh my God, they're going to attack me. They're like dietitians. They're going to be like, blah, blah, blah. they were so kind, encouraging. Um, they asked really good questions. Uh, I, you know, I still think there's a lot of, of work that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I befriended a, a couple of them. And so it's cool to just continue to plant these seeds of, um, you know, education. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 I know Jenna and I coming from that, that field in the supermarket, like this piece of like body image, body respect, like totally missing from that. So just the fact that you were able to plant a seed is amazing. Um, and we can watch that seed grow and hopefully continue to, to grow in that program. What and it really shows like, sorry I was just gonna say it really just shows like how the whole like everything came together there too like that that service was able to be used to help you know somebody that you were working with and then you were then able to help that dietitian become a better dietitian like in that process is so awesome they were all like how can you come do this with us and I was like I don't know 
you need to talk to your boss for that one. Right, right. Like I was, I was like, well, how cool would it be if they, the supermarket also hired a therapist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be, and it would be necessary because I'm sure there's a lot of breakdowns that happen in grocery stores. True. But so and here's, here's what I was going to say is that like, Many dietitians that I talk to say, like, with your guys' training, you're taught to find a solution, right? It's like, here's the problem, let's let's fix it. And that's not my training at all. My training is let's just explore it. Let's sit in it. Let's let's just be present in it. And so I think it's hard for dietitians when people come to them and they're like, you know, I'm uncomfortable in my body. I, you know, I like uh, all of these things. It's like, okay, well we can fix it rather than let's just sit in it. Let's just, yeah, yeah I feel that, you know, you're not alone in that. Yeah. That validation I, piece. That's awesome. And I think I forget who was it Fiona Sutherland. Maybe I don't remember. It was a podcast I was listening to. I think it was her and Fiona Willer. And they were talking about how dietitians like use weight loss as a, they called it their party trick, right? Like, they feel like people are coming to them to say like exactly what you just said. Like there's problems with my body da, 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 da. here. Let me fix it. And then people feel like, okay, she knows how to fix it. And it's like this cycle then of other stuff. We can get into that later, but, um, I am shit. <laughs> cycle of shit. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> of, of bullshit. Um, but so first I think it's important for our listeners to hear from you, Brie, like give us, it could be as short or as long as you want, but just really how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Um, just like your why of, of why what you do. Yeah. Um, so I, I always share, cause people will be listening to this. I imagine right yeah. now. Look, okay. So, um, you can't see me, but I've, I've, I've lived life in a larger body. I live life in a larger body and I, I really struggled with learning how to make peace with my body without changing it. Uh, I always thought that in order to be at peace with myself, I needed to like how I looked. And so my entire life journey was about changing my body. And it wasn't until I got to graduate school, and I always share this, this tidbit of, I was in therapy required by my school, uh, cause I was going to school for counseling. And I, I said to my, my therapist, who did not identify as, as health at every size, um, I think she would now, she, um, she was like, I think I said something like, I just want to be healthy. And then she asked me what health meant to me, like what does health look like? And I think I said something about like, you know, I just want to feel normal around food and I want to, you know, you know, exercise daily and, you know, make sure I'm eating fruits and vegetables. And so she said, so then you are healthy. And I was like, no, 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 I also need to be thin. And she said, okay, so for you, health also means being smaller. And I was like, no, I just know that that's what it means. And like, and I got very defensive and I was very adamant that this is what health means. And it was the first time that that maladaptive thought was ever challenged because most of the time people were like, good for you. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. It was the first time of like, well, wait a second, what you're saying is it matching up with what you're doing? And so it was from there that I really started deep into my own body image journey um, for the first time, I think, in, in my life. And I also was simultaneously working at an eating disorder clinic. 
I always share, I never had an eating disorder. I, I definitely struggled with disordered eating and probably body dysmorphia, um, but never had a full-fledged eating disorder. And so I remember as soon as I started working at this clinic, that cognitive dissonance, right? That piece of my thoughts and beliefs not matching up with my actions was really starting to be challenged. Like I would sit with, with, with girls and I would tell them like, your body doesn't matter. You can eat foods. Like it's okay if your body gets bigger, but there was a different set of rules for me. Mm-hmm. And I really had to, to wrestle through why, why is what I'm saying to them different than what I'm saying to me? And what I really came down to was that it was okay for me because I was in a larger body and that's what society has set apart from my entire life. That behaviors that are seen in clients with eating disorders are celebrated in those in larger bodies when we practice those same habits, um, Mm -hmm. all for the namesake of health. And so it was a very long tumultuous journey. And I remember being in therapy, lots of tears and, my my therapist she 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 said i would i would diagnose you with the depression in the area of body image because it was just so hopeless and now i i know that that that's body dysmorphia because there was no there was no space in my mind that i would be able to have freedom with my body unless my body changed and over time i i literally had just looked at this post and it was talking about conditioning and neuroplasticity. I don't know if you mm. know those terms. And so my brain had, my, my thoughts had been conditioned over time that being in a larger body is bad. And I was trying to undo that thought while still living in a larger body. And that's hard. And there were so many nuances and caveats to the body image. There's the family acceptance piece of feeling like, I feel like I have been, I have failed in this area that people were, are going to look at me and they're going to assume that I'm unhealthy just by looking at my body size. That that people pleasing part of me is never going to be able to, I'm never going to be able to make everybody happy because I'm not the size body that they want me to be. There is this fat phobic piece of just not being welcomed in society that I used to internalize when I didn't fit in an airplane seat or in a classroom seat, that it was my fault rather than why is this allowed? Why is society allowed to excommunicate me from belonging? And there's just, I mean, so many different caveats that I had to go through myself. And I think the fear was if I, if I stepped into it, if I stepped in the ick, that I was going to be stuck forever. And really it's, and, and this is why I've, I talk a lot about body grief because mm. there was a lot of grieving that had to happen. I had to grieve the idea of being in a smaller body. I had to grieve the belief that I could actually make everybody happy or proud or like me or all of these things um, that once I was able to grieve and I was able to, I guess, climb down the belly of the beast and find out, okay, it's dark down here, but there's light at the end. Like there are people who don't believe this, that there is hope. That's when everything started to change for me. And I wished when I was going through what I was going through, that I even knew 
about health at every size because I didn't, I didn't even know it existed. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of these exposure activities. I did a lot of these, the neuroplasticity is right. Is the rewiring of your brain. I My favorite term these days. <laughs> really? I just learned about it like recently. Yeah. Oh, so fascinating. So fascinating because it's, I mean, at its core, it's what cognitive behavioral therapy is. It's taking a thought and you're changing it to change the behavior. And I always thought if I change my body, the, my feelings will change. And what I've come to know and experience is I changed the thoughts and that's what changed it, not my body. And so it was, I was, I was working at this eating sort of clinic. They moved me a couple of locations at my last location. Uh, I was on my way out and the dietitian there was like, I think you'd really like this podcast. Uh, and so she sent me, Chrissy Harrison's podcast. And I say, it was like, like a, a beautiful love story ever since once, yeah. once I heard Christy's words and a beautiful love story in like reality though, because it was actually even more tumultuous afterwards. I was like, wait a second, everything that I know and believe is being challenged. But I had this base work of grief that I had just maneuvered through that I was ready to hear it. So I always say it was a light bulb moment for me. But it was also not, I mean, there was still a lot of challenging that I had to do of my original thoughts. And so, uh, yeah, it was hard to do alone. It was hard to do alone. And so my why is I don't want anyone else to feel alone in this journey. And, and yeah, if I, can, if I can partner with you and support you in this body image journey, I want you to know that you're not alone and that, it, that there's, there's hope. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't even know where to start. I have so many feelings. (laughs) Whenever I did my first interview with Bree, so for people listening for our Break Diet Rules online course um, and group counseling, Bree was so nice enough to contribute an interview um, of really what body image is and body respect. And same thing, Jenna, when I heard her why, the first time I just was like, like for those listening, like draw to the ground, like life-changing um there's so I, there is so much we want to get to that i don't even know how to start the conversation i don't know where to start <laughs> but i think for those listening i know you know brie had said this from the beginning um who can't see us right so and i don't want to speak for jenna but jenna and i do reside in smaller bodies and i just want to address allyship and working with people that are in larger bodies because that is something that as dietitians, um, if, and not just as dietitians, excuse me, as humans who reside in a smaller body, we cannot pretend to understand the weight stigma that Brie has gone through and the oppression that has been done to her. But it is so important to take note that we can sit, we can be there with her, we can work alongside her, and we can be an advocate. And that's, that's where I think with health at every size, I think it's so misunderstood what it actually is. Um, Mm -hmm. This is not saying that every size body, or if we just look at someone's body, that it's healthy regardless, right? But this is understanding that every size body deserves fair health care, deserves no bias, no stigma. Um, And so I just kind of want to like start with that. And I I mean... There's so, like, Brie, first of all, like, I want to be your best friend, so if we could, like, hang out in New Jersey, and so I can hear more about everything, like, I need, I would love, like, every person I work with to work with you, because I feel like, and I don't know, 
I hope this comes off the right way, but I've come to the realization that in my own life, I've struggled with body dysmorphia since I was like nine. And it's not something I ever really recognized until a recent, until I watched the movie Embrace, thanks to Sam. And like, it's more just like this understanding that I think like what you said of letting yourself be sitting in your own thoughts about where these feelings are coming from. And that's not something we're taught. No. Right? at all like nobody ever was like hey like you don't like the way you look today or feel today like why it was more like go to the gym <laughs> like right like do this instead or see it whatever but like that's just to me i got the chills when you said that because it's so relatable and it's something so simple that nobody in my opinion really takes advantage of of just sitting with their thoughts um and where they come from i think that really i mean and it, there's a whole system here of like, like where, where did this come from? And I think as humans, right, we are innate, we innately don't want to feel discomfort. That's mm. like a normal thing, right? But here's what happens when you don't experience distress, when you don't know how to sit with it, then you do one of two things, right? You have, or one of three things, you have a fear response. So you either avoid it, you run away from it, or you fight it, right? And and there, there there's actually a, another fear response which we don't talk about enough. Is you feel it, and that's mm. what to do is to just feel it and to not be afraid of the feeling. There's a great TED talk. I don't know if you guys have heard of Susan David, and she talks about this where um, she she says I have people who tell me like, I don't want to feel rejected and I don't want to feel hurt or shame. And she says I understand but those are dead people's goals. Right? <laughs> Only dead people don't feel shame, embarrassment, hurt, pain, that the price, the admission to a meaningful life is all emotions, whether they are negative or positive. And so I think that there is this, this learning curve of if we weren't taught how to sit with emotion, right? The, one, of the, one of the fabulous women in my group, she's coined this term, she's given me permission of sitting in the suck right? Of just, how do you sit in the suck? Not try to fix it, but just sit in it. It's, it's just, it, it helps you to observe the feeling without judgment and to make sense of it without trying to use a maladaptive response of avoiding it, fighting it, or uh, running away from it. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I think for those listening, because I think a lot of people don't even have I know I didn't, I know Jenny, you just said you didn't, like people don't even know like what body image means, right? Or like no. body respect, what that means. So Brie, if you could just kind of brush the surface for us, like when you work with someone on body image or body respect, like what that actually means. Yeah, yeah. So I say, you know, all the time that my body image is how we perceive or we see ourselves when we think of ourselves in our mind, when we look in the mirror. Uh, I believe I took that from the National Eating Disorder Awareness website. Uh, before we even get to body respect, the definition I like to talk about is body satisfaction. Mm. Right? And body satisfaction is how you feel in your body. And an untainted version without diet culture's influence of body satisfaction is recognizing that your body literally means nothing about you as a person or a character. That you 
you do not have to love yourself 100% to be satisfied in your body. But uh-huh. diet culture says, you're unsatisfied with how your body looks, we can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Like, we can fix that for you. Right. Right. Uh-huh. They, they, they're like, we got you, but it's a lie, but we got you. It's $72, $72 billion industry would not profit on saying, hey, loving everything, yourself. everything you need is already inside you. Like, bodies aren't meant to be the same size. And you're awesome. Like, no, who profits off that? <laughs> so then, so you have body satisfaction and then body respect. If you're thinking of these on like a spectrum, right? Yep. Not even there yet is uh, body tolerance, right? Of just building this, okay, I'm uncomfortable with my body. I'm going to just continue to build tolerance of, hey, I'm going to normalize body experiences. I'm going to normalize that I'm not the only person that sometimes has to fight to put my pants on in the morning. I am not the only person that puts on a piece of clothing and it doesn't fit anymore and feel shame. Like, I'm just going to tolerate that this is a normal experience. And then you build up to body acceptance, right? Of, okay, I know that this is a normalized experience. It still caused me discomfort. And then we can get to the body respect piece of, hey, you know what? This is my body. This is the thing. This is the cup, the vessel that holds me that I can go around and do my job that I am more than my body. And I am a sister, a friend, a wife, a girlfriend. I, I need this body to move around. What do I need to do to respect this body, to take care of it so I can do all of these other things? And I always say, you cannot go from body hate to body respect. It just doesn't work that way. You have to make room for the suck and you have to open up and explore the suck before you're even going to get to body respect. My drop. <laughs> for anybody that's not watching, I just did a fake mic drop, but it's, it's such an important part of this process. And I think the same thing goes, not, not identical parallels, but with food, when we're helping people heal their relationship with food, right? We don't just go from saying, oh, you're afraid to eat carbs? Well, they're fine. They're your body's number one source of energy. And then you're not just all of a sudden, like not afraid of carbs anymore or like loving it. It's a, it's a process. It's, it's taking, like you said, sitting with the suck, sitting with the uncomfortableness, maybe it's um, being scared sometimes or having fear. I know you always call it those gremlins in our heads. So I love that. Just being able to, yeah, I can picture them. (laughs) (laughs) And just being able, I know when you and I chatted last time, you have like your 10 tips to better body image. And the one was, you know, identifying the gremlins and it's not necessarily being like, oh, I need to fix this or I need to change it. Just identifying them and noticing that they're there. And that is, um, such a huge part of this. And it's, I'm just so happy people like you exist. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to take credit for the gremlins. Brene Brown is really the one who talks about that. And if anyone's familiar with the movie from like the 1980s, there's like rules to keep the gremlins alive. Like you have to feed them at a certain time. You can't get them wet, but you have to keep them out of the light. And so she Mm. uses this term of the gremlins because when you bring them into the light, it kills them. Right. And, and here's the other thing is we don't just have body image or food gremlins. As soon as I started my health at every size journey, then 
the gremlins of imposter syndrome started coming up. I was like, you're not qualified. Like, who are you <laughs> to talk about this? And every opportunity these gremlins are going to find areas to pop up, but it's like a whack-a-mole, right? Yep. So that there's this misconception that, oh, like, you know, you'll, you'll solve all your body gremlins and then you'll have no more gremlins. Again, not real life. And the other thing I wanted to say too with food is, and I, I don't know, I've definitely experienced this in my, my journey with food freedom is that I, when you, when you learn to make peace with food and you're able to like, I don't know, journey through those thoughts, it really, there's, there's this, um, I guess that I don't want to call it like a cycle, but it's just, it's, it's just far easier. Whereas with body image, it's always fluid mm -hmm. where you're never going to be a hundred percent comfortable in your body a hundred percent of the time. It's not a realistic expectation. And, and in all transparency, I've shared often on my page this week, I had the worst body image week this week and it just sucked. And I was uncomfortable and I was frustrated. And then I had gremlins of like, oh, and you're a body image expert and you're talking <laughs> about body image. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to just share that I'm having a really, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm having a really shitty body image week and it sucks. And as soon as I shared it, it didn't make it go away, but it took some of the shame out of it. Yeah. yeah. I feel, I mean, I, I, feel what you're saying so deeply because it's been very recently for me that I've shared some of the hatred and feelings that, you know, I've gone through and I, I feel like I've really found my people now that I've talked about it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like once you bring it out, it's like, oh my God, I can relate to her and I, I understand that and I want to learn more. And it's like, you find the people that like you can really impact and that can really impact you. And it's just such a beautiful thing, but sharing, especially as a woman, anything that's not positive is like, we've held so much shame onto that for so long. It's just such a deep relief to be able to have, you know, as much as I despise social media, sometimes it really can be very life-saving at the same time as well. I have to be much more grateful for what it has brought into my life, not um, how many hours it's taken away from my life on TikTok, but. <laughs> oh, Lord. So. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> So one thing I do want to kind of get into just because I think that there's so many like ways we can go with this conversation and like, like subcategories we can talk about. But one thing I think that's really important for people to understand that are listening is what weight stigma is. Um, because any size body can have body image issues, right? I think pretty much every body has body image issues. That could be a wrong statement, but I'm going to just go with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so Brie, can you talk to us and, and I know you, our interns had reached out to you and kind of asked for some info before we started and you had wrote down a story of a guy at the gym, um, and a yeah. comment you made for you. So I feel like that is almost like, not that that defines weight stigma, but if you could give, it doesn't have to be that one, but just like examples. Yeah. Um, and because I think everyone needs to kind of do like a self check of like weight bias weight stigma, things that are internalized and how that affects this entire piece that we're talking about. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think at its core, weight stigma is the belief about people in larger bodies that are negative, 
that um, right the we we have these preconceived notions about people in larger bodies like they're unhealthy they're they're lazy they're uneducated um, they have they lack willpower they lack motivation all these things and on a daily basis I experience micro and macro aggressions so the story which I shared at the gym was a, an example of a microaggression so I'm working out at I've been working out at this gym for three years uh, I I have been working out with a personal trainer and by choice, right? It's something I want to do. And this, this, this older gentleman at the gym, he like came up and, and shook my hand and he was like, I just want to let you know that it gets easier. Like oh, you're doing a great, <laughs> you're doing a great job. And I, I bit my tongue and I was like, thank you. You bite it off all the way. But, and this is my own like wounds of like, I'm really good at making excuses for people. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like if he had done that to a client of mine or a friend, I would have been beside myself. But because it happened to me, I was like, you know, whatever, it's fine. And, uh, and I was like bitching to my trainer and she, she was like, you know, he really didn't mean anything by it. And I was like, I understand. But I said, would he have done the same thing if I was in a smaller body, because the assumption that he made is that I'm just starting working out. When I've been working out at a gym since I was 12 years old, I know how all of the muscles and the machines work. I know how to, I know how to, I know how to work out, but he made an assumption that I'm in a larger body and that therefore I must be starting this journey. And, and she was like, you're right. And I said, I know I'm right. <laughs> And I want to add a, a tidbit, and I know Jenna knows a little bit about my relationship with fitness, but I feel like my relationship <laughs> with fitness has been a roller coaster, and I've, it's the first thing to go when I get stressed. It's the first Same. thing that falls to my back burner. I can come up with every excuse, and so it, for me, like, that's something I struggle with, and that's, I'm going to therapy, and I'll figure it out, but I'm happy to share, like, a similar experience, but opposite is I was checking out at a grocery store. And I get praise, right? Oh my gosh, your body, you must work out every day. I just laughed. I was like, <laughs> I haven't been to the gym in months. And, but that's, that's the assumption we're talking about, right? right? Larger body, not fit. Smaller body, fit. Nobody has any idea what, what behaviors are going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's an a that's a perfect example, and and just that the like right um like another example could be like when people lose weight, oh they they just look so healthy, and it's right, like, it's such bullshit. It, you have no idea how they lost weight. You don't know if it was healthy. I remember I remember being congratulated by the doctor for losing weight, and I had had the stomach virus. Like I was like, I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> I was like, um, cool. So you're glad that I haven't, you know, I don't want to, you know, say what happened. <laughs> you can use your imagination. It wasn't fun. It wasn't pretty. And it wasn't sustainable for like, like it just, it's so, it's so backwards. And so, you know, those, those microaggressions, they happen. And, and I, I another example, um, which I, I still am going back and forth with whether it was a microaggression or a macroaggression. So I, I went to an endocrinologist. She was, this was the fourth one I've been to, all trying to get me to lose weight, right? And I'm like, you're not understanding me that that's not my goal. Like I want to fix 
the root issue and if the weight is a symptom, I'm not looking to fix the symptom, I'm looking to fix the root, besides the point. So this doctor wanted to put me on a medication and the person at the front, like they, she was like, oh girl, you're gonna look so good. And I literally, I was just like, did this just happen right now? I was like, this is happening in real time. She's like, yeah, She's like, you're going to look so hot. And I was like, damn, like, I wish I had said something like, I'm already hot. Or like something. <laughs> just, like, I didn't think about it. In the moment, I was just like, I can't believe she just said this to me. She would not have, she would not have said that to anybody, you know, like in a smaller body who was going on the same medication that supposedly was going to fix the root hormonal issue. It would have been like, wow, I'm so happy that you're going to feel better. Or I'm so happy that we're going to, you know, no, 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 girl, you're going to look so good. I'm making a stank face right now. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I am so, I just have so many things to say. I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that I just want to thank you, Brie, for like sharing these things because yeah. I think, like, when we talk about weight stigma and these like microaggressions, like that's where when we say being being allies in smaller bodies, like we don't get these microaggressions. Honestly, like I shared, like I'll get the opposite where I just laugh, and sometimes I'll say something, sometimes I won't, and use it as an education piece. But that this is. And, and another kind of secondary conversation, Christy Harrison's book, Anti-Diet, does an amazing job of not only talking about why our belief system is set up this way that smaller bodies equal healthier or better, but then going into chapter five, talking about the research behind weight stigma and how it has such a negative um, effect on our health. Yeah. And nobody talks about that. Nobody. I, I I think that it goes so deep in so many different ways to that. Like the big issue, and correct me if I'm wrong, the big issue is like, why the fuck are people commenting on bodies? Like that at the end of the day, like when I was my strongest and not my, my smallest, but my strongest, and I was like happy, people would be like, oh, you look a little too strong. Like, oh, your muscles are like a little too big. Or like when I was really tiny, people would be like, oh my God, girl, you look amazing. And I'd be like, hey, I haven't had a period in a year, but keep celebrating me. Like, <laughs> awesome. Right? And it's like, oh, you've gained a little weight. You'll come back. Like, what? Like, why? Like, this is, I don't, any size body I think can feel this way. But like, the biggest issue is how do we change the conversation from, do I wear a sign that's like, if you have to comment about my body, walk the fuck away? Like, is that what we have to come down to? <laughs> but like, my body. I will make that shirt if you guys I will want wear one. that sign. There was another example um, at, and I, I, at my gym where there was like a trainer who posted on her Instagram page. It was about lifting, about how like lifting doesn't make uh, women large, eating cupcakes does. And I was livid. Like I saw red and I like messaged her and I was like, I was like, this is, you know, this is food shaming and body shaming and blah, blah, blah. And she, she was like, no, it was just a simple post and, you know, girls lift and get strong. I was like, if that was what you had posted, I would I would not have had a hard time with it. Right. Exactly. So I, I think that we look at people's bodies because that's what we have been conditioned to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, and we've also been conditioned. There's a, a great book 
um, called The Beauty Myth. I don't know if you guys have read it by oh, Naomi. I'm writing this down. Now that my yeah. computer turned on, I can it's take like notes. It's <laughs> like super feminist, like, of like the patriarchy and, you know, how all these, these things began. But, you know, she talks about in, in this book of like, you know, how, just how, how all of this came to pass and how, um, like dieting is the greatest form of control that society can put on us because we're so focused on what we look like. When you, when your brain is so consumed with what you look like and how other people perceive you, you don't have time to change the world. You don't have time to do all these other things. I'd say for me, making peace with my body, that was the biggest change for me is that I realized how much brain space I have to do other things. And, and, and this is also where weight stigma kind of plays into this as well. I always lived in fear of what are people thinking about my body right now? Any, any opportunity, any place I went into, I was like, I have to prove myself because there's going to be assumptions made about my body. Even though I didn't, like I wouldn't meet somebody and, and discredit them. I still believe that that was going to happen for me. And, uh, and I do think it happens. Uh, and, and I wanted to talk about that too, but, uh, I, I remember walking into the eating disorder clinic and walking into these room full of sick people, these sick girls and thinking they don't, they're not going to want to learn from me because I'm in a larger body. And that happens maybe not, not at all. It happens way less now. The time that it happens the most is when I walk into a room of professionals mm -hmm. or when I walk into the doctor's office. Those are still the two times where it's like, I, 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 a year and a half ago, I had a panic attack before going to the doctor because I was afraid of what my doctor was going to say or assume about me. And so it's very real and it, it happens. And, and Sam, you were saying, you know, body image issues happen in all size bodies. 91% of women feel uncomfortable in their body and they resort to dieting to change that. That is, a, that is across the board. But there has to, if we're talking about weight stigma, we also mm -hmm. have to talk about weight oppression. And mm -hmm. that there are things that people in larger body experience that people in smaller bodies just don't. It's not that your experience doesn't matter or doesn't exist. It's that you do not experience the same oppression that yep. I experience being in a larger body because the belief is that I can control this, that I can fix this yep. and that it's personal responsibility. Yes. Yes. And th thank you for clearing that up and for really stating that. And that's, that's where as practitioners, and I know we, when I chatted with you last time, Brie, I think we talked about this, but specifically dietitians, um, traditionally thin white women, right? And it's a problem. And because we don't get this education unless we seek it out. And so there's a lot of change that needs to be made because a lot of dietitians don't undergo weight oppression, right? And so the, to, not that we're ever maybe gonna have the full understanding, but like we said, we can listen, we can take part in it, we can be an ally and we can try to help and, and really get to, the, to where the change can happen in our society. Yeah. So thank you so much for saying that because I think that's so, so important. And I want to just also add, only because I just read it before we hopped on with um, Haley Goodrich had posted today 
one of the non-diet dietitians we love so much, mm -hmm. she had posted about like Hayes providers are not anti-weight loss, right? Meaning that weight loss is not an, in an inherently bad thing if it happens under the circumstances where we're honoring our body through intuitive eating and honoring our body's needs and many other things we could list. But so I think there's this misunderstanding too of with medical professionals or Hayes practitioners thinking that we're saying like, and like we're anti people who want to lose weight or anti people who have lost weight through intuitive eating and that that could not be further from the truth. Cause I think that's where people get turned off because they still have that weight stigma or that system yeah. of beliefs in a weight centric world. And then they just shut down. Yeah. What I, what I'll say to people. So a, a couple of thoughts. So one, if somebody comes to me and says like, it's still important for me that I want to lose weight and I can't let that go. I say, you have the right to body autonomy, right? You have the right to self-govern over your body. I cannot work with you on weight loss because I know intentional weight loss, because I know the harmful impact of weight cycling and, and how it can lead to an eating disorder. And I'm not willing to do that. There are lots of other people who can do that. However, what I can do is I say, can we just put that on the back burner? Like it can still be important to you and I can still work with you on these other things. And, and my thought is, okay, well, if we can make, if they can learn to make peace with their body, maybe that will change. Or the focus is still on the body changing, right? And, and that's, it's, uh, when I shared about that medication, I remember I had people in my life who were concerned for me because they were like, so you're not going to take this medication just because it's going to make you lose weight. And I was like, no, <laughs> I said, I don't care what my body does. I don't like if my body gets bigger, or my body gets smaller because I take a medication, my body's going to do what my body's going to do. What I'm not going to do is focus on changing my, my weight to fix potential issues in the future. Because if we were really trying to address the underlying issue, the, uh, the actual issue, the, uh, so for me, of PCOS and mitigating, right, some of those hormonal issues, then Technically, the, the weight wouldn't, be, maybe, or maybe not, wouldn't be an issue. Maybe my, my hormones would regulate and my body size would get smaller. But what I'm not willing to do at this point in my life is do anything that's going to directly impact my size because it's not, it's, it's not a habit, right? Mm -hmm. It's a symptom. It's not a behavior. Yep. It's not a behavior. It's not a yep. behavior. Yes. And so I, I tell people this all the time. At the end of the day, you have the right to body autonomy. So if you want to pursue intentional weight loss, if you want to do, you know, like bodybuilding or something that like that, you have that right. And I can't tell you not to do that. And, and that's really what it comes down to is the right for you to decide what's right for you and not for society to dictate. This is what's right for everybody. Yeah, that's huge. And that's where I think it, going through our intuitive eating certification right now, like Evelyn Triboli says it so well, like we have so many disturbances from diet culture. So as soon as you would shift your focus to watching a number go down, now that focus is external, right? And then the external thoughts of like, when should I eat? What should I eat? Can I have this? Can I have this? What effect is that going to have on my body? Versus building that introspective awareness and learning how to trust the body because to have food freedom, yeah. you can't be trying to, to alter your body.
Yeah. My favorite part of the intuitive eating book is when Evelyn Tribbley talks about um, the different voices that we have when mm-hmm. to like, you have like, uh, I can't even think of them off the top of my head, but like the food police, food police, the food, uh, the nutrition, uh, informant, yeah, the informant ally. Right. And that it's like, if you can take, if you can look at it observationally rather than critically, then there's, there's a difference. Like, it's like, <clears throat> oh, like, okay. So for me, I, I am lactose intolerant. I'm not bad when I eat dairy. I just mm-hmm. don't always feel good after. Yeah. And that's okay. That's well within my right to do that. I think what's complicated when is when it comes to body is that it's hard to be observant without being critical. Mm-hmm. And that's what sitting in the suck is all about, is learning just how to sit with feelings, observe them, and then figure out would I say this to somebody I love or care about? Mm. Like, is this thought, does this thought actually serve me in the long run? Or is this a condition that I have just been taught to believe? And, and it's almost like, uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, listened to the Dietitians Unplugged uh, Mm -hmm. podcast and they, they had a guest talk about, uh, how diet culture is very much like cult, like a cult. For and sure. Oh my God. And while we've been just indoctrinated and we take it as normalcy. So to think the opposite is like breaking away from the cult and we're going to get excommunicated. But thankfully we have our own little group over here and we, we welcome everybody. So it's, and it's better because we have donuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I just want to make it, I have so many comments like, thinking of what you said, but something we talked about last night in my virtual group uh, counseling was it can be confusing too with when we're thinking about like moral badness with food, right? Experiencing feeling bad eating something, air quotes over here. Um, but then also having that physical sensation of it not feeling good and being able to recognize those are different. Because if we eat seven Big Macs in a row, let's say in one day, you're probably not going to feel physically Mm -hmm. good, right? We have the full permission to do that. But being able to recognize the morality and the physical aspect and trying to remove that judgment and that shame and that, um, that, I mean, so much easier said than done, but identifying it first. And and that, that same thing too, like if all you ate in the day was kale, right? And that's all you ate, you still probably wouldn't feel good. No. But people will feel less badly thinking about eating kale all day than eating Big Macs all day. And why is that? And that's the thought we need to press into. But let's be honest. The person that eats kale all day hides in their closet and eats the Big Macs all night because that doesn't work, right? That is true. So, you know, and I think obviously there needs to be a part two of this episode. So, because I have so many things, but it's, funny because this kind of comes full circle. I also had a group coaching call last night and I used an example that I overheard when I was the manager of that team of dietitians in the grocery stores. I had to like do site visits, right? And I would listen to some of the dietitians like counseling people that were in their chairs and give feedback and whatever. And I 
remember one day listening to a dietitian. I wish it was Sam. I wish I could give you credit for this. But um, listening to dietitian talk to a client who was very weight focused. And I remember her saying, let's go to um, the aisles really quick. And she like pulled the client into the aisles. And I was like, oh God, where is this going? And she like picked up a bag of chips. And she was like, do you see this barcode here? She was like, this bag of chips is identified by this barcode, by this number. She was like, are you a bag of chips? And the woman was like, no, and I would never eat them or like whatever she said. But she was like, right, because she was so disordered. And she was like, do you have a barcode on your body? And she was like, no. And she's like, you're not identified by any numbers. And it was like one of like the first aha moments for me where I was like, this is so progressive. This is so forward focused. And she was like, we need to take the numbers, your barcode, like out of the conversation of how to get you the food that makes you feel good. And it kind of spiraled into that. And so I used that example in my like coaching call last night. I literally like picked apart a piece of paper and I drew a barcode and put it on my forehead. And I was like, do you, does anybody walk around like this every day? And you know, people were laughing, but it's the truth. Like we're so tied to this one metric or piece of data that we can't seem to like get out of it. And it's, it's just so beautiful to hear your story and perspective and like to know that there's a place that we can refer our clients to, um, to really just like know and be able to connect with, with you or, you know, people in your network because there's just so much more to life. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I know for, for the eating disorder clients that I've worked with, um, their biggest fear is recovering into a larger body. And there's so much there. And I, I am so grateful for the struggle and for the suck that I've had to experience because I have come out the underbelly of the beast and I have gotten to the end of the tunnel. And, and I can confidently say that there are far worse things than being fat. There are just, life is not about that barcode, that number on the scale that who I am as a person matters way more than what I look like on the outside. And some days it matters to me more than I want it to. And that's okay too, because I'm human. And, and that's that it, the body image and body satisfaction is not a, a destination. It's a journey. And I just, I hope that my story can give people hope and encouragement that it gets better. And even if it sucks right now, even if it's, you've been sitting in the suck for what seems like a long time, that I can confidently say, I love my body 10 out of 10. That doesn't mean I always like my body. It doesn't mean that I'm never uncomfortable in my body, but I love my body. And that's huge for me because there were times that I felt depressed being in my body. So. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for sharing, Bree. And like Jenna said, I feel like we could probably go on for like another five hours with you if we, if we could. Um, but so we, we usually end today's or to all the episodes with like a, we call it a nutrition tipsy or like a tip. Um, so I know you have like your 10 tips to better body image, but is there like one big takeaway or one big tip that you would give anybody that's listening to this episode? On body image, on on what? Anything, just like what we talked about today, like kind of like a next step, or it, just really anything that's on your mind. Um, wow, there's so much. That's I'm a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess my 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 one big tip is to remember that no matter how you feel 
right now in this moment doesn't mean that that's how you're going to think or feel forever. So even if it feels like you're stuck, even if it feels really shitty, um, and even if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, we can hold onto the light for you. And all you have to do is just keep going. That's it. That is awesome. So for anybody listening, um, can you tell them now also we need to celebrate that you just launched a podcast. It is Body Image with Brie. So, ah, I'm so yeah. excited to listen. I know. So you have two subscribers right now, right here. And then, of course, anybody listening, I hope as well. Um, so, so the podcast is Body Image um, with Brie, but then also let anybody listening, where's the easiest place for them to find you and find information if they want to get in touch? Sure. So right now I'm also going through my own technology issues. Um, I'm looking to just brand Body Image with Brie as my coaching company because, okay. uh, because of state lines, I can't counsel you outside of the state of New Jersey. So I want to just stick with coaching in the area of body image and in process of creating a new website. So Instagram or email me at bodyimagewithbrie at gmail.com. And I am probably going to launch another group. Uh, I, I started a body grievers group. My group has loved it so much. We have like continued twice. We've done two where we've done another six weeks and we're doing another six weeks uh, spaced out. So I'm thinking probably around uh, May or in the summer, I'm hoping to launch another group. And I also have some other things for professionals coming down the pike. I'm hoping to do a, um, a body image support group for professionals awesome. uh, and then also a, a body image supervision group for professionals who have clients on larger bodies uh, and if they just want to have a space to be able to process through those concerns. Sign me up, lady. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Yes. That is and so you, amazing. You two need to get a referral system set up. Yeah. Bree, I have so many people that I would love to send your way. And honest to God, I mean, what I didn't like ask and what we haven't touched on at all today, I don't know how this time went by so fast, but I want to talk about the movie Embrace. And I also want to talk about like media and things in general with you. And just like, to be honest with you, like maybe we can let this sit for a second, but I would love to hear like your reaction to like society's reaction to the, the show, This Is Us. Um, and how brave, you know, the storyline of like they're digging into Kate's past right now and like yeah. the little things that have happened, you know, to her and her coping mechanisms. I thought this past week's episode I watched last night, it's like so fresh in my mind, was just uh -huh. so powerful. Um, I feel like we could have such a powerful conversation about that. The whole episode on media and body image and how it's represented. I, I will say in terms of representation, there's such vindication of having a large female lead who has a love interest and a baby and like and it's so it's, strong oh my god <laughs> oh, and it just like if if eight-year-old brie had seen that on tv like i don't know i don't know what would have been different about that so but yeah we oh. could probably get into so many nuances i mean like anytime a large person goes on tv it's like you're celebrating uh of promoting obesity and I'm like I can't I don't have <laughs> 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 oh, 
over it. But yeah, this is amazing. And I love it. And I cry. Okay, good. I, mean, I, I was like, I stood up and like threw my pillow down. I was like, I hate this kid. Like, I want to fight him. The boyfriend. I was losing my mind over it. But it was like, oh, just so good. So seriously, this was the best hour of my day so far today and I just literally can't wait to connect with you more thank you for your time and for also saving our podcast by recording (laughs) thank you guys so much for having me it's been such an honor (laughs) thank you for everyone listening guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of what the actual fork pod we know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun.